this book required well, hello. We're here. We're finally doing the thing. Hey, we're doing the thing. This is our very first episode of Required Readcast. We said we were going to get it done before the end of 2017, and uh, and look at us go. We're real close to the end of 2017. It's true. And uh, for those of you who may not know, I'm Lauren Ballman. I'm Jessica Austin. And uh, we are a duo called Boss, but and, right now we're podcasting. And we're reading books. Yeah, we're reading the books. I'm really like... Excited to do this because they're always, they always print like the list of 50 or 100 books you should read. Mm-hmm. And there's always a couple that are like The Hobbit. And I was like, I've read that like a million times. <laughs> but then you get something like The Outsiders. Oops, I just spoiled it. Uh, Spoiler alert, we're talking about The Outsiders. Spoiler alert, we're doing like the ultimate required reading book <laughs> uh, that I have never read. And that is why I was really excited to pick it as our very first book because I could not believe you'd never read this. I, I don't know. And, and I don't know why I thought you and The Outsiders going. <laughs> Hand in hand. Apparently. I mean, I love Newsies. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's why I think you like, and you love the you love the men at the barricade, right? I think any so maybe there's angsty men in a, in a team. In a team, I'm just like Jessica must be into this. If I had read this in junior high, I would have become a woman a whole lot faster. Because holy <laughs> crap, uh, that is me from the perspective of shit. Fuck. No. no. I bought a microphone in GarageBand, and things are going well so far. She really did, and this microphone is fancy and fun. And we have headphones plugged into it and everything. It's old-timey, and, uh, and we look like we're <laughs> going to do a radio show. Oh, yeah. But instead, we're going to talk about books that they made you read when you were in junior high. That came out in 1967. Oh, my God. That's another reason we wanted to do it. It's the 50th anniversary. It's the 50th anniversary of this book. And I never read it, and everybody else in the world has, apparently. Um, but, yeah, 50 years old, and it was so good. I know. It actually was really enjoyable to read it again. And I think one of the biggest things about it that I find really fascinating is the fact that it was written by a 16-year-old girl. (laughs) Oh my God. I, okay. So to be totally fair to the book, I started reading it and the first page is so just like straight up flat descriptive. Oh yeah. That I was like, this is so derivative YA, blah, 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 blah. And then I was like, no, she was the first person to write a fucking YA novel, so it's not derivative. She invented the style. So that then is I, a very good point. I just, it's like, so I'm, besides, I look better with long hair. I had a long walk home and no company. Like, it's so short and uh, f- not flat, but like simple. His description. Yeah, and I, and she doesn't mess around. She jumps right into, if, mm-hmm. if she introduces a new character, she explains him immediately, like, you know, so-and-so was this person and looked like this. And I just found that, I found her exposition really interesting because she's Mm -hmm. always just flat out describing it right off. She's not trying to like hide the fact that it's exposition. Right. She's just like, (laughs) like, this is what I look like. I have brown hair and green eyes or I've light brown, almost red hair and greenish gray eyes. Boom. That's it. That's all you need to know. She doesn't do metaphor. She's not like, they sparkled like the sun. Exactly. The, I, it, her most flowery language is used when describing Johnny Kate. <laughs> I know. And it's and maybe this is too soon to talk about this part, but oh, there's a little part of me when there were some scenes where I'm like, this it might have been was S.C. Hinton daydreaming about men who look like Johnny Cade. So this morning, and it came through in Pony Boy's voice. <laughs> no, this morning after reading it, I was like, "What is going on with fucking Dallas and Johnny Cade?" Okay, okay. And then, then you go to Tumblr, and you're like, "Oh, there is a lot of fan fiction about Dallas and Johnny Cade." What? <laughs> oh, we did. I didn't do that deep of a dive. Oh, I didn't I read any. Oh, really? I was just like, and I'm not slamming fan fiction because uh, hell yeah, write your shit, write what you want to write, read what you want to read. 
But also I was like, well, there is a 17-year-old boy and a 16-year-old boy, and I don't really want to read any smut. Um, I feel like I'm too old to do that. I feel like I would be verging on cougar territory mm-hmm. if I started reading that. Yeah. 16-year-old Jessica, if they had the internet back then, could oh. totally read Outsiders fan fiction. Are but- you kidding? That, Like you said, it would have sped up some serious female. And I think that's why, because, okay, so I read this for the first time in eighth grade. Um, <clears throat> excuse in eighth me. grade, really? Yeah. And I, re- and I was trying, I, I specifically remember it because we also got to watch the movie and we had to get a permission slip signed. Shut up. Really? Yeah. Were there any kids who weren't allowed to watch it? I don't think so. Oh. I think everyone was pretty cool about it. Can you imagine being like the one kid whose mom won't let her watch Outsiders? It's so sad. So she just has to sit in the hall for like two hours. Oh, and like do math homework. <laughs> You're allowed to read Jane Eyre. I know. But that's how I remember because I, I, I have this very vivid memory of my eighth grade teacher's classroom who we read this with and the day that we got to watch the movie. And, and it really spurred me on. To, I read like... Um, Rumblefish and Tex, mm-hmm. and I got into this very, I'd wanted to read everything else she wrote phase. And I don't know if it was because of eighth grade, like, verging on becoming a teenager, thinking these teenagers were super cool. Well, she nails the voice. I mean, she's oh, just yeah. like, I mean, not to the voice and fancy, I'm blah, blah, But um, some of the criticism I've read, they're like, her, her sentence structure is really simple. Her descriptions are very straightforward. But you're like, if you were a teenage boy, your brain isn't going to go into, like, flowery Lord Byron shit. Like, no, if you're a teenage boy who is a hood, o- who's a hood in Oklahoma and probably dropped out of school because none of these kids really went to school. No, except Pony Boy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because Derry's good at school. Like, he was good true, at school in football. True. Um but so I never had to read this as I've talked about right. a lot. But I always thought I had kind of because when I was little, I used to go um, burrowing through my aunts underneath their bed because my mom had like seven brothers and sisters, and I hung out with my grandparents a lot. So I just used to rifle through her teenage sibling shit. Nice. And I was always wearing shirts with like really bad slogans on them because nobody told me that you shouldn't <laughs> talk about fucking when you're like ten. Uh, don't wear shirts that say "Have a brew, have a screw, have a sue." I stole that shirt from my Aunt Kara. When you were 10? Yeah, I didn't think. I did not know I what wish she still had that shirt. I wish I did too. <laughs> but I used to go through their shit. So I, th- they had texts under their bed at some point. I know oh, they had Rumblefish. Okay. And I was like, this looks good. And then I chucked it and I read it instead. Um, Interesting. Also super appropriate for a 10-year-old. Really? Yep. But um, I just thought that, like, if I had read that now, I would want to go through and read all her stuff. Yeah. Did, like, Rumblefish and Tex hold up? Are they good? I can't really remember them. I haven't read them again. And so I don't, I remember enjoying them as a, you know, 12 or 13 year old, but I don't really remember now if they're any good anymore. But at the same time, I think it's still quite a feat to have published as much as she did at such a young age. It's it's incredible. I read, um, the book I bought is the, uh, anniversary version. So it's got like this little description about this little forward by her and it's got um, all this Q&A in the back. But she talks a lot about how um, she basically got her publishing contract right as she was graduating high school. That's insane. In 1967. Yeah. For a girl that age. For a girl that age. For a girl to do anything in 1967 (laughs) was pretty fucking impressive. (laughs) Look at her. That's amazing. I know. So I, I was really impressed by that. Um, and I just think it's so incredibly funny that at that time too, that not only was 
it a 16-year-old girl doing this, but it was a 16-year-old girl writing about all these boys. Mm-hmm. It was a male perspective from a 16-year-old girl. I wonder how many people read this book and didn't even know, especially since she goes by S.E. Hinton, mm-hmm. if well, that it was a girl who wrote it. Well, I'm sure they didn't. Like, She's mentioning how the publishers made her change her name or to go by her initials so that yeah. people weren't put off by mm-hmm. it. And that I love that. Surprise how, me at all? No, I mean J.K. Rowling. Right. You, if you're a female writing a male protagonist, people are going to assume you're male. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. I know, and it doesn't really seem to go the other way around. Mm-mm. No, guys can write female protagonists all the live long day. Mm-hmm. But it was so like things like you mentioned with like uh, Dally and Johnny, and then when she's talking about how. The, the Curtis boys <laughs> like to eat chocolate cake. My oh, goes, at breakfast. My note goes chocolate cake. Definitely female writer. But yes. Yeah, and there were, there were a couple of emotional moments that she tapped into that I felt like these would typically be female characters talking this way, but she has to use her mm-hmm. male characters. I don't know if you felt like that at all. Yeah. Maybe that was me reading too much into it. And then there were the female characters and... Let's talk about Cherry Valance oh, for a second. Cherry. <laughs> I love that Diane Lane played her in the so A young Diane Lane played her in the movie. And she looks good in the I trailer. know. Damn, Diane Lane. Cherry Valance. What a Is name. Is that how you say it? Valance? Is it Valance? I don't know. Or is it gonna, Valanche? Oh, I was going to say Valance. Like the thing Valance. That, but that's oh, maybe it's on a window. Oh, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a last Well, name. whatever it was, her first name was Cherry, and that's badass. She's badass. I All these names. Oh, I just love how she's like, oh, I'd fall in love with Dally Winston if I ever saw him again. She's <laughs> like, you little fucking snake. Oh, I guess we didn't even... I, I'm hoping that people listening to this have no... The story. Yeah. I don't, Although there's not really a super duper... It's. I mean, it's... It's a, of course, there's plot. But. Right. Well, we should, let's read the summary from Wikipedia. Yes. Because that's probably a lot more easy to follow than what we just said. <laughs> the, the rambling we just talked about for. Um, so, great. We want to vaguely tell you the plot before we tell you the actual plot. Okay. So, the brief summary is thanks to Wikipedia, that The Outsiders is a coming-of-age novel by S.E. Hinton, first published in 1967. The book follows two rival groups, the Greasers and the Soches, which is the short form for socials. Not socks. Not socks, which is how I pronounced it in my head for the first about 20 pages of the book. Did you ever say it out loud in front of your class? (laughs) God, I can't even imagine the first fucking kid to talk about this in class. I think the socks were jerks. The socks are such jokes, um, who are divided by their socioeconomic status. The story is told in first-person narrative by protagonist Ponyboy Curtis, which is his real name, and he likes to reiterate that it's on his birth certificate. Oh, my God, it's on his birth certificate. As uh, a soda pop. Right? Although, did you find it ironic that soda pop is the one who likes horses? I can't... Okay. If... Again, if 12-year-old me read this book and there was the most attractive blonde boy in the world who also loved horses and he had a horse called Mickey Mouse and was sad when the horse got sold, my heart would have exploded. Oh, my God. Little Jessica would have lost right. it. Right? Because I kind of felt like I mean, it's just such a sweet thing that he's such a rodeo boy. And he, oh. tamed, and he tamed Mickey Mouse, the horse that couldn't be tamed. Mickey Mouse, the asshole horse. Oh, my God. Um, so I would shortly summarize this book. Uh, I would... Dreamy teenage hoodlums make series of increasingly bad choices. (laughs) Um, I would say kids without parents learn how to live in a world with their fellow greasers. Yeah. (laughs) So peaceful. (laughs) I was like, 
like orphan like town. Yeah, but we don't got no parents. <laughs> hey, where's your parents? Oh, the, the parents in this town were were not painted in a favorable light. Well, nobody was paying attention. What's going on in Oklahoma? Because apparently nobody gives a shit about their kids. Oh, shit, right? Because the Soshas are doing whatever they want, riding around in their Mustangs with their Madras jackets. And maybe we had going to Google, to school. by the way. Lauren explained to me what Madras was, and I was like, I'm not buying it. Uh, oh, yeah, did you ever find I if found it was it. anything other than what I thought it was? Yeah, well, it's a... It is it's, a jacket. It's a jacket. Well, it's a fabric. Like, it's light cotton. I so you were see. right about the shirt thing. But you make it into other stuff. Mm-hmm. No, but they're, they're riding around, and then, of course, all of the greasers are, you know... I think there was one of them who had a decent relationship with his dad, kind of. Yeah. But the rest of them were all either their parents were dead or they beat them up all the time. Well, yeah. So the Curtis boys had a had a good set of parents. They liked yeah. theirs. Yeah. And then they died. And in then they a car died. Accident. And it sounds like they were pretty young. So, yeah. Well, I'm sure. Like, it was 1960s. They were probably having kids, like... Real fast. Yeah. I mean, the, these guys, the parents probably would have been married in, like, the 50s. Yeah. And they Oh, I mean that the, the kids themselves were pretty young. Oh, when the, when the parents died? Yeah. Because it seems like it's been a few years where, I mean, and that's the thing that's crazy is Derry's only supposed to be, what, 20? 20? Yeah, he's so he's young. been taking care of his two younger brothers for, I think, a few years. Dude, that's the part where really got um, me, is you see that Derry cares about Ponyboy. You're like, know. fuck, oh, fuck, fuck. And then he finally realizes it, and you're like, good. And they allude to it a couple of times, especially towards the end, where they talk about, oh, we're, we're getting scared because we could haul off the kids. I'm surprised. Like, how have social services not come to their... <laughs> like, I know they visit the house, but how have they not been forced to get a... I guess dairy counts as a legal guardian. I guess. I mean, I don't know like the child care parameters. I don't know child care law in Oklahoma. In, in Oklahoma, you're not well versed on child I'm not care law. Well versed, Colorado. <laughs> no, but, but there were a lot of little things like that where I'm like, is this just that I'm not connected to the time period enough to know that this was more acceptable? Because it just seems like these teenagers just ran around. I mean, ran the town. <laughs> How many times is fucking Pony Boy in the hospital? Oh and they God. still didn't take... Like, I'm not saying I want him to get taken away, because I no, don't. No, but they, clearly he's not in a stable environment. He's not in a stable home environment, <laughs> and his grades are suffering. But he's on the track team. And how many books do you think begin and end with the same sentence? Because this one sure does. Oh, shit. I don't know. Probably like 18% of all books. <laughs> Begin and aim with a solid end. 18. Because mm-hmm. I love that. I love that that turned into, hey, pony boy, you're failing English, unless you write this really great story. And then all of a sudden it dawned on him to just write a story of his life. And then it became the right. beginning of The Outsiders. And well, it all comes full circle. And that would be something I'd make fun of, except that I think that she probably was one of the first to do to it. To do that. No, that's a, really, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought of it from that perspective of how early this was written and how much YA came after. <laughs> I mean, because and how like, she, yeah, it all kind of mirrors like her style and her the characters. Like I feel like almost any YA book with a male, with it's told from first person male protagonist has has its foot in the outsider somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's what's interesting to me about you reading this mm-hmm. now as an adult. When you you already have seen what came after it, and you didn't see what came before it, and that's what stuck out to you. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Because yeah, I know you, you're familiar with a lot of YA stuff or 
Yeah, because um, I'm super immature. So we all are. Right? We like to read things for children. Yeah. Uh, there is there is a fucking piece of fan fiction called My Immortal. Have you ever heard of that? Uh-uh. I'm going to read you a, a bit in a second. And it's about, wait, for No, no, for it's outsiders? not about oh, outsiders, okay. thank God. Okay. But when I started like, reading it. They made Johnny Cade into a vampire or something oh, no. because that would be amazing. It would be uh, amazing. I'm going to Google it because I have to just read you the first bit because when I read the first the top of this, it sounded like that. And I was oh. like, <gasps> and the reason I bring it up is because I'm a nerd. Up. And it's widely regarded as the worst piece of fan fiction ever. That's hysterical. Oh, and it's Harry Potter fan fiction. What? My Immortal is a Harry Potter fan fiction. Serial pub, blah, 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 blah. It was in 2006. Uh, I'm going to get to reading it in a sec. Oh, I wish I had that music memorized from the movie trailer that was burned. It and almost sounded like Psycho. Or a little like Pulp Fiction. That. Um, <laughs> oh, this is great. I sound good. Sticking up for him, you hear me? Don't you yell at him? So, <clears throat> okay. Hi, my name is Ebony Darkness Dementia Raven Way. Oh, and sweet I, mother of God. Sorry. And I have long ebony black hair. That's how I got my name. With purple streaks and red tips that reaches my mid-back and icy blue eyes like limpid tears. And a lot of people tell me I look like Amy Lee. And if you don't know who she is, get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so... So that exists in my brain. So of course when I'm reading this so I'm an intro to this book and she's being very like straightforward with her descriptions, I'm like, oh for fuck's sake. Yeah, this but is so like, YA. Well, but <laughs> I can't with it. I guess my own looks aren't so bad. I have light brown, almost red hair, and greenish gray eyes. I wish they were more gray because I hate most guys that have green eyes, but I have to be content with what I have. Right. That by the way is like the fifth sentence of the book. So it, it's so structurally the same. Yeah, no, that oh, that's <laughs> Oh my god, it's like the worst fucking thing. Oh, yeah. my God. But, hey, so I texted you, like, when I started the book, because we're mm-hmm. going, speaking of character descriptions. Yes. We're lumping all the guys together. We're learning who they are. And I immediately fucking texted you, and I was like, Johnny Cade's going to be my favorite. Yep. Also, does he die? <laughs> and I couldn't remember. <laughs> and I really couldn't. And I didn't want to skip ahead and look, but I couldn't remember. And spoiler course, alert, he does. Of course he dies. Uh, yeah. He he's was a tragic fig- figure. He's small and sensitive and, like, big scared well, eyes. as soon as, so... Cut to the heroic scene in the in the church when they save all the little children. Or save the burning children. Um, but when but I don't I don't remember exactly the language. But they started going into this description of Pony Boy looked at him and he's like I saw this look come across Johnny's face like I'd never seen and and all this stuff I'm like oh this means he's gonna die oh he's gonna die real oh this soon. means he's gonna die something's gonna happen. Because they're going real into detail. Oh, yeah. And With, making him seem super heroic. And, and angelic and like... Yeah. And I just picked up this burning church with, with Johnny Cade carrying wee children in each arm. <laughs> Tiny Johnny Cade. <laughs> oh, God. Who's your favorite character? Um, I, there's a lot I like about Dallas. He's kind of a tool, but I I like him anyway. When I, lo- I love that scene where... Um, where after they after they killed the Soch, and they decide to run to the house and find Dallas because they're like Dallas. Dallas will help. Dallas mm-hmm. will help. Dallas will help Johnny. And um, I just loved that whole scene, and I loved his attitude in it. Where they show up at Buck's house and he's like got yeah. the shirt on. And yeah, stuff. yeah. And he gives gives Pony Boy's jacket and and gives him a plate. Like I just feel like he was kind of the dad of the group. Mm-hmm. Um, but I dug him. I liked him a lot. I was getting real confused in the beginning between Derry and Dally. Right. 
Because Daryl and Dallas sound like different names, but Derry and Dally don't. No. Derry and Dally well, don't. Well, and then 2-Bit and Soda Pop kind of scan the same. And you're yeah. like, shit. Yeah, yeah. How about uh, you? Well, besides Johnny Cage. Oh, man, it was... And I do love Johnny. I think, I think it's Soda Pop. Soda I'm Pop's sorry. great. I mean, he loves horses. He loves horses. He's... She could not describe him as attractive more. So, so does the middle brother. So does the middle brother, who's blonde-haired, like I think blue-eyed or maybe green-eyed, but super attractive. Like, and is in love with that one chick and writes her a letter that gets returned in the mail. Do you think she got pregnant? Ooh. Cause scandal. Because Oh, and that's why she had to go mm-hmm. away? Because there were moments where she, Essie Hinton, writes up to something that could be scandalous and then stops. And then Stops herself. Ooh, that's a good because, point. So, so Sandy, so remember he goes, I'm going to marry Sandy. Don't tell Derry. Mm-hmm. And then Sandy moved, leaves mm-hmm. to go to her grandma in Florida. And then the next thing that... Grandma in Florida is so code for getting so, knocked up. So and then, <laughs> but then, uh, then, da, no, Derry says to uh, Ponyboy, he's like, the reason she moved to, da- to Florida, it wasn't soda pop. Oh, uh, I so I inferred that Sandy cheated on him Sandy and got knocked kind up. Of a slut. Oh, that's even better. I think Sandy got knocked up, went to Florida, and then it turns out it wasn't Soda Pop's baby. Oh, we so, need to see that book, right? What, <laughs> what does that story look like? Who knows? Um, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about it like that, but I bet that's totally true. Oh, and that was heartbreaking though when poor Soda was so sad all morning and had like cooked for them and everything. And <sighs> but Pony Boy's talking about how he saw all the sadness across his face, and then he found out it was because that letter got returned that's that he'd so written to her. Sad. Oh, what a drag! What a drag! There really were moments that. Hit, hit me a little bit. When did you start crying? At what point did you start crying? Oh, I definitely died when Johnny died. Yep. <gasps> Just tears. And down my face. And I knew, because, of course, the iconic line, like, I knew that that was coming. Because once I remembered that, oh, yeah, he is going to die, I was like, oh, that's right, because that's where the stay gold comes from. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, when it got to that iconic line. Because that is one of the beautiful things. So these kids are you know, hoodlums, but for some reason Pony Boy has this obsession with Robert Frost. <laughs> Teenage female writer. Exactly, that's where I go, okay, this is Essie Hinton, not, mm-hmm. not Pony Boy. I don't want to say boys like that don't exist. No. But I think but that... in rural Oklahoma? They're probably fewer and far further between than all in one gang. She said, like, she wrote she wrote this book as a reaction to the tensions between the Soches and the Greasers at her school, and she was neither... But I was like, right. I think you got a crush on a greaser. I think you, oh, yeah. Oh, she, she totally, totally was falling in love for with a Dallas. Like, she's still alive. Is right? she? Yeah. Oh, I haven't looked at that. Yeah, she had like I hope a so. cameo in the uh, in most of her movies. That's so great. But I don't know if she's still alive. I'm pretty sure um, she's still alive. Oh, and speaking of Dallas again, his death scene. I mean, forget it. Like, Fuck I you. Just, Fuck. Picture this image of him just getting riddled. <laughs> Which is terrible, but it was just such a, like, heroic, the gallant death, like they said about Gone with the Wind. That's no, I think, I mean, come on, Pony Boy reading John, Gone with the Wind to Johnny in the church. Like, oh my god. All right. Why don't you just make out already, guys? <laughs> because Pony Boy and Johnny aren't in love. Johnny and Bug and Dally are in love. Come on, Lauren. <laughs> okay, sorry. Wrong wrong boys. Wait, oh wait, we were not shipping. The, now, you just what? forced me to ship those fucking characters. I wasn't gonna ship the characters, oh. and now I do. Oops, my bad. Podcast ruined. Boy, um, made me start shipping things. <laughs> uh, there is a lot of f- 
phraseology in this book that I would like to bring into my everyday life now, especially I'm going to start saying that somebody is reeling pickled when they're drunk. <laughs> Did you say reeling? Reeling pickled. God, that's good. It was a good one. Oh. He was reeling pickled. They had some really good ones in there. And then I was saying that I got confused all the time because he was, Pony Boy a lot of the time said stuff like, I wish I had me a weed, which meant he wanted a cigarette. And we but they were using a weed as cigarette. I was getting very confused. I think I've lived in Colorado too long. I was assuming these boys were smoking pot. Yeah, we were like, wow, they are really open about it for 1967 yeah. in Oklahoma. <laughs> they were very liberal wow. about the fact that these boys are just walking around town smoking joints. No. Oh, no, wait, Lauren, that's just what they call cigarettes. Yeah. I love when he's smoking in the hospital, and the guy's like, why are you, you should be doing that. And he looks for a sign, and the guy's like, no, you're just too young. Like, <laughs> no, you're a child. Pony boy. <laughs> yeah. But so, you talked about nicknames earlier, yes. and how Pony Boy's Pony Boy's name. Yes, yeah, so he didn't even warrant a nickname, because his name, Pony Boy and Soda Pop, were already, mm-hmm. what about 2-Bit? I think, okay, so I went back and checked, and Soda Pop's real name is Soda. Okay. Soda Curtis, I think, is what it says on his birth certificate. Then you have Pony Boy, all one word, all Curtis. All one word, Curtis. And Dal- uh, no, Daryl, which is normal. But I think everybody else is a straight-up nickname. You have, yes. so, you know, they dumb down Dallas into Dally. Not dumb down, because I think these guys are smart and cool. Um, but they Obvious. shorten yes. to Dally. And then they, you've got 2-Bit, which I'm assuming is short for something. And then same with Daryl is Dairy. Daryl is Dairy. But yeah, two Johnny is can't just, no, they call Johnny Johnny Cakes. Sometimes, yes. They and do, they, right. And then there's Steve. And Steve. Fucking <laughs> Steve. <laughs> Steve. Steve is like the friend that they just kind of forgot to give a nickname to. Steve doesn't get a nickname. Ponyboy hates him. Ponyboy's like, I hate Steve. Fuck Steve. That's like all he says about Steve. And Steve was played by Tom Cruise in the movie, which is the most perfect thing. If you've never watched the trailer... For, go, do yourself a favor. Go to YouTube and just Google the trailer. No, we're going to do a favor for you. We'll, we'll, we'll put the, twi- uh, the trailer up on our Twitter. Yes, yes. Uh, because it is, first of all, Francis Ford Coppola directed this movie, which I find amazing, and he it's dramatic. That trailer takes itself seriously. When it gets to, when it gets to Steve... Just you wait. <laughs> it's like Tom Cruise's face screaming, like huge open mouth with like this big white Tom Steve. Cruise. Steve. But it's like when he's jumping on the couch, wooing about Katie Holmes. Like and that. everyone's being, <laughs> it was a prequel to his Scientology existence. Everyone's been playing it so cool up to that point. It's like Patrick Swayze and Ralph Macchio. And Steve. <laughs> Oh, God. Okay, well, that's time to natural city segue into the movie The Outsiders. Because wow. who was not in this movie? Every because I, it, I I remembered it being an all star cast, but I also had watched it when I was pretty young, so I didn't recognize who a lot of these people were. But I it had no really memory. Is crazy. I only thought Ralph Macchio was in it. Yeah, I like vaguely remember a book cover or a fucking like VHS cover or something. And I was like, oh, Ralph Macchio, cool. VHS, most likely. And then after I finished the book, I watched the trailer you posted on my Facebook. And so C. Thomas Howell, Matt Dillon, Ralph Macchio, Patrick Swayze, Rob Lowe, Emilio Estevez, Tom Cruise, Diane Lane, like I said earlier, <laughs> and one of the Leafs. Oh, it is Leaf Garrett. Yeah. Leaf Garrett gets murdered. Not Leaf Erickson. Not Leaf Erickson and not Leaf Phoenix. <laughs> Tom Waits makes an appearance in this movie as Buck. And... Soch number three as <laughs> is played by Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, uncredited. Oh, Essie Hinton played the nurse. That was her cameo. Good job, Essie. 
Oh, I'm gonna have but a seriously, with her. what a list! Come on, everybody in that movie is famous now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I love <laughs> fleas. Social number three. Social number three is flea. Well, so, so I was um, so I watched the trailer after finishing the book, and it was like famous face after famous face. Yes, and fucking of course. Rob Lowe is playing Pony Boy. Uh, not Pony Boy, Derp Derp Derp. Um, uh, soda. soda Pop. Because, of course. I'm, Rob Lowe is like, Rob Lowe circa fucking 1990s. Was literally. 1980s. <laughs> literally. The most attractive man ever. Oh, yeah. And the first time I ever like figured out who he was, I was, watch, I was watching Wayne's World when I was like a yes. kid. And I was like, that person is attractive, but yes. evil. Yes. And then sort of figured out who he was. So do you think Rob Lowe just slept with every single actress? I mean, was there anyone who didn't have sex with no. Rob Lowe? No. In the, like... No. Actor, actress, fucking anybody. I think... <laughs> this is insane. I was telling um, my, I was telling Jeff that this morning, and um, I was like, yes, of course, Rob Lowe's like a perfect soda pop, and he pulls his face, and I was like, what are you talking about? Like, we love Rob Lowe. And he's like, yeah, before he went crazy. And I was like, Rob Lowe went crazy? And I was super concerned. And he's like, yeah, before he started doing all that cocaine and that fucking two and a half men show. And I was like... That's, that's fucking Charlie Sheen. It's definitely not, not Rob Lowe. Lowe. I mean, Rob, Rob Lowe had his coke face. He did. But he didn't go as bonkers as Charlie no. Sheen. No, I was like, oh, babe, no, no. And, like, we love Rob Lowe in our house. Parks and Rec, West Wing, we're huge fans. But yeah. I was like, no, you just... Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, 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 no. That's Charlie Sheen. And hey. Charlie Sheen, not in this movie. Not in this movie. No Charlie Sheens. Sheen. Zero Sheens. Uh, Estevez. Oh, right. Emilio Estevez t- is too bad. A default Sheen. But can we talk about Ralph Macchio's little face? Oh, his buddy. little tiny face and his big oh, old eyes, buddy. and he's just the most adorable thing. I know, Johnny Cade, you were too good for this world. He really was. It's so sad, and that line—I mean, we were watching that scene when he talks about how he's glad when his dad's hitting him because at least he's paying attention to him. Could there be anything more tragic? No, book. Oh my god! <laughs> and then, like later on, Jesus. everybody's reminiscing or thinking about. Like, how, no, he, we're his family. And they're like, oh, we could never take the place of his parents who don't want him. And I was like, I want you. Uh, come be my son. My house. We'll take care of you. Mm-hmm. I, I was dying for all I wanted and all I want, that I thought was missing in this book was I wanted there to be, like, the local, like, kind of aunt figure who took all, <laughs> took all these kids in or who loaned, owned, like, a local, like, a diner or something. And was always like, oh, you guys come in and I'll give you a milkshake and was, like, nice to them. There wasn't that character. You're talking about a combination of, like, the soda shop owner from West Side Story yes. and fucking Anne Margaret from Newsies. That's exactly it. That's what <laughs> I wanted. We just needed Anne Margaret in this we, book. I needed a soda shop owner. <laughs> that was all that was missing. Like, why didn't they have their local hangout? I know. They hung out in a lot. In the parking lot. <laughs> I feel like the Sochas might have had a nice soda shop That's owner. That's true. But they're, they're we never really delved too much into what the Sochas did. I think it's so funny that <clears throat> um, Ponyboy's all judgy. Because the greasers like Elvis and think the Beatles suck, but right. the Socha's like the Beatles and thinks Elvis sucks, and like that's what they're mad about. Yeah, not just that, obviously. No, it's true. Um, no, I was just thinking about so the iconic line of the book that everybody talks about: "Stay gold, pony boy." So it all comes from the Robert Frost poem. Are you going to read it dramatically? I, Shall I? Uh, yes. Can you right. drop your voice down like an octave and just be really sultry? Okay, okay good. that sounds great. Um, so, so Johnny and um, Ponyboy have to go on the run for like five days to the country. <laughs> they go to this abandoned church that they thought would be like a cool hangout. Definitely um, not flammable. And <laughs> this is not going to... That's a terrible this plan. This is going to be positive for sure. Um, so they're hanging out and uh, watching the sunset because... 
but not in a gay way, not at all. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and Pony Boy says nothing gold can stay. I was remembering a poem I'd read once. What? Nature's first green is gold, her hardest hue to hold, her early leaves a flower, but only so an hour. Then leaf subsides to leaf, so Eden sank to grief, so dawn goes down today, nothing gold can stay. Robert Frost. Anyways, that was so... Po- Wait, hold on. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, so th- that's the poem. And then as Johnny oh, is dying, his last book. words to Pony Boy are, stay gold. And Pony Boy's like, I don't get it. And that, thank you. That's exactly what I was, I was like, Pony, Pony Boy, you were the one who wrote that? It really takes him a while. He's like, I don't know why he said that to me. I <laughs> can't even think of it. it Listen, sound- I know you just had some concussions because those soaks kicked you in yeah. the head mm-hmm. That's during true. the rumble. He did get some brain damage during the rumble. But come on. Oh, man. Well, that little squeak you may have just heard was my dog. Hi, Archer. You just made your appearance, Archer. Congratulations. Um, so, yeah, that's that iconic line. Oh, my God. Are there any other, were there any other lines or... Like phrases that you wait. Let's see what I. I marked a couple of things. Yeah, they're just. I mean, it. It was so oh. fun settling into the language in the beginning. I was like, oh man. Oh, but then there was. Oh yeah, there was a part where he refers to his mother as golden and beautiful. My mother was golden and beautiful. Ah, oh, I remember that. It made me die. Anyways, here I like this little bit. Like talking about um, if you don't stick up for them, stick together, make like brothers. It isn't a gang anymore. It's a pack. A snarling, distrustful, bickering pack, like the Socias in their social club, or the street gangs in New York, or the wolves in the timber. Like, I like that idea Ooh. that, like, that you you have to have your buddy's back. Like, you can't turn on someone. You have to, like, mm-hmm. honor the person for who they are. Yeah. Like, I got the feeling that all of... I was talking to somebody the other day about small unit warfare in World War II, which is... Totally tangential. Excuse me. I'm going somewhere with this. I like this. But how, you know, in World War One, they would fight on, like, all in, like, on the line together, and it was such a massive group that you didn't have, like, personal connection. And then they realized that in World War Two they needed to pull people into smaller oh. groups. And we are going to get, like, notes on this, because I'm sure my wars are inaccurate and my military <laughs> stuff is inaccurate. But the idea of that, like, if you're a bunch of dudes who don't really know each other and you're just fighting on one side... You're less likely to yeah. have each other's backs. But if you love each other, like these dudes loved each other. Oh, yeah. And I know we're joking about shipping whoever with whoever, but yeah. gay or not, like <laughs> it's always coming back. <laughs> like that's not the kind no, of No, but love. they really I think that's one of the that's one of the main things, themes, sorry, to take away from mm-hmm. this book for sure was I mean, I joked a lot about family and where are the parents, but clearly like this was a group of boys who made their family mm-hmm. for themselves. I mean, three of them were actual brothers, but that they all took care of each other because mm-hmm. nobody else was taking care of them and that they really cared about each other. Yeah. Well, and I, when Johnny's sick and in the hospital, like, the thing everybody keeps thinking is, like, anybody but Johnny. We need Johnny. We need him. He's the glue that holds yeah. this together. And Johnny was probably the most neglected one by oh. his actual family. Oh, when he's in the hospital and his mom comes and... and he doesn't see her. He good doesn't for want you. Good. I was glad. No, was don't, like, don't see her. She's being a bitch. She's being a bitch. I was hoping, like, maybe she would flip and be like, my son, I'm so sorry. No, not no, at she all. Had cold eyes and was a fucking He didn't care. His dad didn't care and his mom was like, how dare he be in the hospital after all we've done for him. Fuck her. Like, and you didn't do anything. You know... Lady. That, like, that idea of, like, the band of brothers 
these guys, I think that's why I liked this so much, is you totally gave me shit about Newsies and Les Mis earlier. But why? Well, no, not giving you shit, yeah. but just saying, like, like if you latch on to, like, mm-hmm. that kind of story... Then yeah, the idea of like you're, these guys are all going through some hard times. Like mm-hmm. nobody's saying their life is perfect and they want to stay this way. But when it moves on, you kind of look back and you're like, nobody understood me the way those dudes did. Yeah, like we were we were a group, we were a unit, mm-hmm. and you don't always want to stay in that forever because you have to grow up, you have to get out of the war, you have to get off the barricade, you have to whatever. But you still look back and you're like, those people understood me in that moment. I mean, when you're a jet, you're a jet but- all the way. <laughs> From your first cigarette to your last dying day. <laughs> when you're a jet. Uh, so S.E. Hinton probably was a huge West Side Story fan. Yes. We're guessing. Yes. We had to we had to look this up because we were thinking these must have come out around the same time. But they really, West Side Story was first. Yeah, 10 years. 10 years. So I'm thinking little, little S.E. Hinton mm-hmm. <laughs> heard a soundtrack or maybe saw the movie. His movie came out in 61 mm-hmm. um, and used it as a good influence. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like there has to be because just the way the... Jets and Sharks are written mm-hmm. is the same way the Greasers and the Soshas are written. Yeah. And, in a lot of respects. Well, West Side Story seems so, like, neutered to us now. You're like, they're dancing boys in New York. How dangerous can they be with their little shiny switchblades <laughs> and jazz hands and shit? But, you know, when he talks about Dally getting in trouble and murdering people in New York. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, Dally was a hood in New York. And, like, he sounded really tough. And that would have been sort of at the tail end mm-hmm. of, you know... Maybe like eight years after West Side Story. Yeah, yeah. But uh, th- like they were really up to some shit, and they hurt people and killed people. Like I know we were like old timey street gangs. You don't really take them seriously, but people were getting hurt and yeah. cut and killed. And <laughs> yeah, Ugh. I know. And never mind the fact that they had. I mean, West Side Story did have the racial tension. Mm-hmm. This, and was, this book was white. This was just white as could be. There, this was Oklahoma. There is not a single person of color in this book. Oh, is there? No, mm-hmm. not a one. I mean, that would have just been too much. Yeah. Well, I just like that it's the rich white socias versus the poor white poor white uh, greasers. Well, and, and there's that one part where Ponyboy gets really upset by saying, they, they call him like, greasers aren't anything but white trash with greasy hair or yeah. something like that. And he gets really upset by being called white trash. He does not like that. No. Which makes me think they're like, are there white trash in Tulsa at that time? And that, that's yeah. who the fucking greasers judge? Yeah, did the, who did the greasers judge? Right? Because if the socials look down on the greasers, do the greasers look down on the white trash? I don't want to know what the, I don't. Like, who's lower than that? Oh, God. <laughs> oh. I mean, no offense to the greasers, because they're pretty cool dudes. Um, I looked up, because I was positive that there was an Outsiders reference in The Simpsons. Oh, no, I know. I'm surprised. I like, I'm shocked, actually. There isn't. I mean, other than, like, the tagline, you know, stay gold pony boy, everybody quotes that. Yeah. But... I didn't really see a whole ton of, like, pop culture references. No. This was pretty inclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, what I did love, though, is that there is a theater version of this. It was adapted what? into a play, a oh, two-hour YA play um, that I don't know anyone who's been and I've never seen. But Jeff Fight directed it for a middle school at some point. Interesting. So now I'm just picturing this middle school production of The Outsiders. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Can we please? Can we please? If Fine. I, if anybody has footage of a middle school production of The Outsiders, we're going to need a link. Tweet it at, tweet it at us. Uh, <laughs> at REQ Readcast. Uh, please. I, did, I don't care how poor of quality the video. I want to see this. Oh, God. And if any of our friends have been in any sort of uh, stage production oh, of yeah. The Outsiders, did that would you ever be great. have to do scenes, outsider scene study? <laughs> 
Anybody? No, but now Please? I'm going to give it to like all kinds of little I kids know. that I coach. It's going to be amazing. Um, well, any final takeaways on, on The Outsiders? I don't think so. It was really good. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed reading it again, too, and I felt like... I know a lot of what we've talked about with wanting to do this podcast is kind of examining, you know, like, what were these books we read back then, and what do they maybe need now? And I feel like this one was a good example of, it made me feel a little little nostalgic for that time in my life, and... Um, you know, I feel like now the language feels a lot more simplistic than it did when I read it when I was in eighth grade. But at the same time, I feel like it made me kind of go, oh, that was a nice, I enjoyed that as I, I clicked with this book as a kid and now I'm enjoying reading it as an adult and kind of looking back on that time period, that preteen time period. Why do you think we were assigned this? I mean, I wasn't assigned it, haha. But why, what, what the fuck are we supposed to take away from it? I bet, I bet as, I bet they were trying to make some bigger play on, you know, understanding people who are different than you and what different classes mm-hmm. mean. And I don't know. I'm guessing it was probably wanting to. And, and it being an iconic book for its time is my guess of why it would have been chosen mm-hmm. to be on. And we, you know, when I read it, we were at that age that kids are at where kids are starting to be jerks and form different social groups and all that stuff. So maybe they were trying, maybe it was a warning. None of you want to get knifed or start knifing each other. If you guys start, don't start getting along. Somebody's (laughs) going to get stabbed by a fountain and it's going to be terrible. It's going to be real bad. Things are not going to go well. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I think we probably, I mean, you weren't, you didn't have to read it, but why do you, what do you think would kids would connect to with this? Probably for the same reason. I think giving them, you know, as kids are transitioning out of like the boring stuff they had to read in school, not, okay, it sounded bad, not boring, but when, when you're in eighth grade, you're at the precipice of making your own choices for books. Like you can stop reading and only read school assigned stuff, but I feel like this is an attractive book. Yes. And I think an eighth grader would love it. Or you loved it, right? Yeah, I found it very exciting so like at this, that age. If they assigned this or Tess of the Durbervilles, oh. which we hate. By the way, podcast. we're not. I, no. Are we doing that? Or I don't want to. I, I don't want to read that book, that book again. Fuck that book. I hated reading that book. I dropped out of AP literature, so I wouldn't have to read that book. Oh, I had. I think I read it during AP. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. I know I read it in high school, but no. Fuck Tess uh, of the Dubervilles. If you Tess. came to this podcast for Tess of the Dubervilles, you are going to be very sadly you are disappointed. You're in the wrong place. God, no, we can't do an episode on it because it apparently makes us makes very angry. angry. <laughs> so angry. But like, no, yeah. but no, I see what you mean though. Of like, if you were in eighth grade or freshman in high school mm-hmm. and you were presented with this versus, I don't know, something not as exciting. This is a really cool then book. This would be fun. And I, I think that's why I started reading her other books was I just became very enthralled by this world of teenagers that weren't like how I was, you mm-hmm. know? It was this whole different... And that's just around the same time we were like, I was like watching the movie Grease or I watched... <laughs> Which is like the cartoon <laughs> version of The Outsiders. It totally is. When they but were like that, or even West Side Story. Like, mm-hmm. I was. <laughs> oh, God fucking Greece. Why um, does the car fly? Why is the car. All I wanted in my life was for the socialist blue Mustang to like fly away. Yes! <laughs> like Green Greece. <laughs> right? Maybe it's flying in the sky and Bob. I just don't and... want to know where Danny and Sandy ended up because, damn, they went up in the sky and nobody saw them mm-hmm. again. <laughs> I went to Australia. It was amazing. <laughs> uh, did I had another thought. I never yeah. thought it was good, I think. 
It might have been good. Oh, another good thought. Oh, no. What was it about? I have two. Hold on. We're, luckily, we can procrastinate and edit this out. Yeah. Um, cut it. Oh, Just my cut thought it. is this. So, looking back on this, Ponyboy's 14. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when you're, let's say, age 10 to 12, if you were reading this young, a 14-year-old seems so much older. Oh, absolutely. And then, But if you're 14 reading it, you think, I know 14-year-old Jessica thought she was mature and knew shit. So, like, but looking back on it now as an adult, going, that kid is 14 years old. And when you think of, like, what a 14-year-old looks like, how small they are. Well, the younger boy in Annie's 14 right now, and I can't imagine him, like, running off with a gun. No. <laughs> oh. oh, that was another moment that killed me was after um, after they got the gun from Dally yeah. and, and uh, Johnny takes it and he goes, I couldn't shoot anybody. Aww. And you're like, you just stabbed somebody, you bro. just stabbed somebody like, just to now. death. To a couple pages like, ago. Yeah, this, that just happened. But he can't shoot anybody. And I was like, honey. Oh, and I think the only reason he stabbed him was because... Ponyboy was he, in danger. He was gonna. They were gonna kill Ponyboy. I'm sorry. I'm oh, 100 yeah. positive. They would have drowned him. They would have drowned him. Absolutely. They, they were dicks. Those socias. They got what they deserved. This is see. This is what happens when you're incredibly hammered at mm-hmm. 17. Yep. <laughs> when your parents let you drive around in a blue Mustang and you're wasted. Yup. All right. Last question. Um, we were talking about the movie and everybody's fucking famous in it. Oh yeah. If you were doing Outsiders now, oh, would you cast? Oh, my goodness. Um. This is so. Oh gosh, I feel like I feel like Zac Efron would end up in the movie, even though I don't really like him. Like yeah. I feel like he's gonna end up in it. Maybe he'll be Steve. St- <laughs> Zac Efron's the new Steve. Um, <laughs> Zac Efron is totally the new Steve, right? <laughs> um, but for leads, like who I would actually like, what? Uh, I can guarantee you, Tom Holland, the new um, oh, the new Spider Man. Oh yeah, where do we put him? That kid. Um, he might be like a good like a two bit. Because he's kind of the mm-hmm. goofy, like, sarcastic, funny one. But who would be our our leads? Who would be Johnny now? Will from Stranger Things? Oh, those kids could totally I be I mean, the Stranger it. Things kids are adorable. Oh, Stranger Things. Just cast them all. Just cast them all. That's good. That's good. I don't even care that there's not one. Never mind. Who's cutie little. What's the little guy with no teeth called? Oh. Um, Gatton. 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 Gatton is his, Gaten, Gatton Gatton is his Gaten. real name. Gatton. That's the character's name. Why am I blanking Why am I on this? He's the adorable one with no teeth. Eh, we'll delete this out. Anyways, whatever he is. Um, he'd be... <laughs> he is so cute. <laughs> um, who else? I, I guess I don't have a lot of uh, teenage boys in mind, which is probably a good thing. Right? Although I'm trying to think. I feel like... I think every actor we would pick is, would be too old. Yes. That's kind of where I'm at. Or are too, um, like, sarcastic and not right for the part. Like, mm-hmm. I keep thinking of, like, Michael Sarah or, like, Jesse Eisenberg. Those kids yeah. wouldn't be in this movie. Well, like, really, it's like, if you look at the Old Outsiders movie, like, Matt Dillon is probably too old. Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody in that is aged Patrick up. Patrick Swayze. Way too old. I don't know how old he was when he made the movie, but I feel like in the trailer you're going, ooh. And he's, I mean, 20 in the film. He's 20, but... Yeah, so I, th- I feel like there have to be a couple of guys like that that I'm just not thinking of well, at the moment. Well, pro- the problem is, like, TV and movie teenagers are all 25. Right. And they all look built. And you're like, if you want to see how... Wait, what about... Oh, speaking of Steve's, what about the kid who plays Steve in Stranger Things? Steve! He'd be a soche. He'd so be... Oh, he'd, be a, he'd probably... Oh, he'd probably oh. be Bob and get he'd murdered. He'd get stabbed. He'd oh. probably die. Maybe but he'd, he'd be, be great. I would cast him... Or maybe him, he's Randy. He can be Randy. 
Because he does Randy. have the flipping Stranger Things. That's there, nice. So there was a Soch with a heart of gold. Mm-hmm. It was Randy. He turned around in the end. He didn't want to go to the Rumble. He didn't go to the Rumble. He's done fighting. Mm-hmm. And now yeah. he probably has no friends. It's true. Uh, well, I think I got. That's it. That's all I got for the outsiders. No, I think I think we. Uh, I think we said a lot of good stuff. Uh, I just want to like do a quick high five because five. we did it before the end of 2017. We did it. We, we did said it. we would and we did. We did. We and had now, goals and we did it. And we achieved them. Yes. Uh, so you guys, we're going to be around in 2018. Yes. And we will be doing this on a much more regular basis. So if you want to get involved, um, we will try to be good about posting what books we're going to be doing if you want to read along. Yeah, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter or Instagram at requi- or R-E-Q Readcast. Twitter and Instagram is at R-E-Q Readcast. Um, and that's it, dude. And if you want to find out what else Jess and I are doing that's not the podcast, we have our boss page. That's B-A-U-S. And whenever we do, imp- do the improvs, you can find out about that there. And then you can see us in person. Right? <laughs> oh, God. Yay! You don't have to put on pants. Oh. We, hope, we hope you enjoyed it. Yay! Happy we New Year! Hope. I'm really good at closing. What did you just say? I just said, I was trying to say we hope you enjoyed it, and I said be hope you enjoyed Aww. it. Be hope. Be hope. Be change. Be the hope you believe in. And you know, have a great um, have a great 2018. Because great... we'll be around. We'll be around talking about books. Yeah. And Yay! Stay gold, Jessica. Stay gold, Lauren. Well, this is unexpected and amazing. We have some reader mail already. Megan from Denver, Colorado writes, wait, Jess, I have the best outsider story for your podcast. We read it in seventh grade and watched the movie and everyone was consistently so in love with Dally that apparently the year before they had made shirts with his face on it for the entire class with hearts drawn around it. I don't blame them though because damn, that was Megan. Um, you guys, next time you see me, if I am not wearing a shirt with Dally Winston's face and a giant heart on it, you have permission to slap me very lightly across the face. Thanks for listening to Required Readcast. Join us next episode when we talk about Shirley Jackson's The Lottery, that heartwarming family classic. Until then, head over to Facebook and like our page, or you can find us on Twitter or Instagram at R-E-Q-Readcast. So tweet your uh, short book reviews or Instagram us some pictures of your well-loved, no judgment, copies of The Outsiders. Required Readcast is sponsored by Sexpot Comedy, and our theme music and lyrics are by Noah Wilson and Max McEwen. Stay gold!